I tell you, we had such fun trying to get hold of one another. You know, one little number. Digits can make all the difference if you're trying to call someone and you can't get hold of one another. So both of us are very Christian now that it lost. We found one another, <laughs> Shireen Barnard. Hello, Shireen. How are you doing? Uh, Janine, I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> she has to forgive me. You see, that's the thing about being a Christian. you got to forgive the people. But in any case, yeah, let's settle down. We're going to talk music today. But first, we've got to get to know this very interesting woman. Shireen, you have to introduce yourself. Someone who's never, ever met you before. Before you start with all the work that you're doing, personality-wise, who are you at home without shoes? Am I at home without shoes? Yeah. Yes, I'm always at home without shoes. If it's not the boots when I walk between the lions because sometimes the nails go in you, I'm always barefoot. Sometimes going into the city, going to town, barefoot with lion snot over your legs <laughs> and other things, your mucus and other stuff in between your toes. So yeah, I live a barefoot, um, passionate life. I think I can say I live a carefree life, meaning that here it's not in the city. You know, it's a rat race. Even when you have kids, and I've got four kids, so it's a rat race. But once I'm here on the farm between the animals and with the quietness, I think it's a carefree feeling that, that you get. And it's also a quality, quality life that I have. So, yes. So how did it happen that you, this privileged woman who lives on a wildlife estate working with wild cats? I mean, I know you love animals, but that, how did that happen? Never in my life did I ever imagine that I will be working with lions and tigers. I come from a farm. My father uh, was a crop farmer. And when it was time for me to go to study, I wanted to study music. And he just said, no go. He's not paying for any music studies <laughs> because musicians are poor asses. And Afrikaans that I say musicantes are And he just said, Listen, I'm not paying for it. Your sisters studied BCOM and your brother studied LLB and you will go do BCOM with law. So I was off to university and I studied BCOM with law and then I met Bueta, and I fell in love with him and he had this farm, not developed as it is now, it was just a cow farm, but uh, he had just confiscated a lion from the Bloemfontein Zoo. And yes, that's, we got married and I took over the lion program. Uh, we focus on pure breeding of pure genes. Ach, it's a long story. And then we got tigers and we are a sanctuary and I took over the whole program and the feeding of animals and we built up this place from nothing in 20 years to accommodation, a church, uh, multiple programs for animal breeding, uh, birds from all over the world. But hippopotamus, we confiscated the hippopotamus also from the zoo due to poor conditions he was living in. So um, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I was going to work with them, but I would never do anything else because once you get to know an animal like that, uh, it teaches us about how we should be, love and trust and just amazing. It's amazing that God entrusts his animals to people like us. Huh? We've got jokes here in the halls. Yeah. We talk about John 2.24, which says people sucks. <laughs> it basically mm. says Jesus yeah. didn't entrust himself to people because he knows who we are inside. And if we yeah, can't look definitely. after his animals, it says something about us. But besides definitely. your love for animals, I mean, 
you are an athlete. You, you, you're an active <laughs> kind of person. You don't like sitting still. <laughs> so do you run no, all the I way don't. to the animals? <laughs> Most of the times you have to run because they chase you. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> they chase me and I chase them to get them to not bite something that's running or flying around. Now, I think um, besides the act- active part of me, I think I just experience life in a way that I'm thankful to be alive. And I believe deep within me and every day I preach it to my kids every day I, and, and all the kids I am involved with I tell them listen we are able to do anything because, because God enabled us enables us to do anything we are capable of doing anything we just need to put in the hard work and we need to have the faith that we can do something so I'm active because I'm thankful to be in a position where I can run and I can do sports with my kids that's why I started to do sports again my third child is, is an excellent athlete. She's got the length. She's got basically everything, really. But she was scared to swim. So I, uh, I never could swim because I come from Young Kemptorp. All we did was canal ride all day. So I, <laughs> yeah. I, I doggy swam always. And then when she said that, if, and she told me, listen, mom, I will do biathlon if you will start swimming with me. And I said, okay, it's a challenge. So I started swimming. And doing biathlon because I wanted to inspire her and motivate her to use her talent because she's got so much talent. And then I enjoyed it. And I said, when I was 36 years old, I said, listen, I want to do the Ironman before I'm 40. So I had to start to learn to swim far distances. So I've got bucket lists. And I feel that uh, we've got this life to live. God gave us life to live so why not just do anything that you are and use all the opportunities that you get on your road to live your life fully and be a motivation for anyone i love doing sports and i love it not only for myself but also to motivate other women to say listen even when you're 40 you can look good you can feel good even when you've got a business you've got four kids you adopted some more kids or whatever life life throws at you you can still look good and you can still do it anything you want to do even um, start with your music after 20 years of waiting of running a business and raising kids and putting other priorities first in line you can still do it you can do it at 50 so yeah that's that's just me I'm passionate about doing everything and I, I think I'll I feel I'm gonna miss out if I don't try new things <laughs> there's, there's always, one life live it <laughs> there's one life so just live the hell out of it <laughs> okay tell me if you and your daughter if you now race who wins no, it depends. <laughs> She's more the shorter distance. Uh, <laughs> I'm the medium distance, so I will I will run uh, before her in the 800 meters. But I think in the 400 and the 200, she'll definitely win. <laughs> yeah, but you she's pass- 14 years old now. She's uh, she's longer. She's about. A head taller than me now. She's really, uh, yeah, she's a good athlete. Yeah, that's an unfair advantage that you can do nothing yes. about. <laughs> nee, nothing, absolutely nothing. But you're passionate about most things in life. I mean, you can't just make food for the family. Oh, no, she's got to be the chef. Listen, I'm not a chef. <laughs> I told it the other day, I told this story. It's actually a funny story. I hated cooking food. When I got married, I used to phone my mom because now I married this farmer and he wants you know, the whole plate at night, the rice and the meat and the potatoes. And I was just a student studying. 
So yeah, I'd never cooked. And then I would phone my mom and say, listen, mom, how do we make this? Because when I was a child, I was never in the kitchen. I was always outside driving the tractors with my father and planting and everything outside, nothing inside. So, and then we, when we built the restaurant, when we decided to build this restaurant, we appointed a chef and it was an English chef. So the food was English. <laughs> I just enjoyed to come here weekends. But um, after the one weekend, we had heavy rains and she lived in the river house on the other side of the estate. And we just got a, a message from her and she told us that she's not coming into work this weekend. But at that stage, this place was stacked. Every day, 150, 200 people coming to eat here because, you know, it's, it's a new place and it's a lions and it's everything. So we were quite busy. So needless to say, she just said on a message, I'm sorry, I'm not coming in because I don't do mud and I don't do watching lions where I cook food. And I had to jump into that kitchen and do English food. <laughs> and, I, and I think God helped me that day because it was a huge success. And then I just, from there on, we decided, oh, listen, you know, it's a family restaurant and I had the time, my kids were still small, they were running around here, uh, the lions were running around, Ugh, and I started to enjoy it. I had to do it, so I had to make a success of it. Otherwise, my business was not going to be successful. And I'm sure your husband was very grateful. He was, because then he got restaurant food every day. You see, you see, God is very gracious yeah. sometimes, whether you plan very to or gracious. not. <laughs> yes. You know what? One of our favorite scriptures is Romans 1.20, which says that everything that God created, He created specifically as a revelation of who He is, how He thinks, and His mm -hmm. invisible things. And now yes. you're working with these wild cats, with um, the beautiful, beautiful creatures that you work with every day. So if you had to yeah. think to yourself, you know them personally, you know their different characteristics and their personalities that differ so much. If you had mm. to think... Um, look at these animals that you love so much and you had to choose one characteristic that you think God specifically revealed in these animals to you, you know, about who he is, mm. what would you say? Mm. Love and respect. Definitely. That's, uh, if you work with these animals, you can see the love and also the respect and the graciousness, there's actually, I can't choose one because there's quite a lot um, that reveals how good God is and how he creates things. Um, it's, a, it's a huge, when you take a lion, it's this powerful animal that can kill you with one slap, not, not even to talk about uh, his teeth. And just the way they work with you and if you respect them, they respect you and the love they give you and the respect they give you back. Um, just the, the way they move with Christ, uh, not just the lions, but uh, tigers are different. <laughs> I say tigers are a different thing. But the, the lions, yes, it's, I'm just in love. And you can see it's uh, sometimes when I sit here and I listen to the lions roar, and I watch them or when they sit beside me and they walk beside me, a big lion weighing 350 kilograms. And he just sits beside me with this huge head and his huge paws. Then I just say to myself and sometimes I say uh, to other people as well, I don't know how people can't believe that there's a God who created this. You know, when you see all of this, when you see them in their natural beauty, how can you not believe 
Mm. You know, so yeah, it's it's love and respect. It's characteristics of them that I, I, I'm in awe of every day when I work with them. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, and when Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and then you think people got such a problem with having a fear of the Lord, and yet John, his best buddy, old pal John, fell down as a dead man before Jesus in Revelations. Like, he couldn't mm. handle how impressive God is. And then when you're mm. talking about this latent power, you know, that, that they yeah. could swipe you dead, God is that big, and he is, and his holiness is that awe-inspiring. I mean, and, yes, and yet he's this gentle giant when it comes ne? to us, his Christians, yeah. that he that that his personality, his gentleness shines exactly. through. And then he says he won't even break a broken a break reed a bone. Uh, yeah. at yeah. all. It's, it's, I love how you just painted that picture. It's going to stay with me for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess we have to get to your music at last. Um, you say you've been waiting such a long time to get back into your music. So obviously... If you if you wanted to study it, it's been a passion of yours for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I must say, I really wanted to study it. Um, I think I've got a talent with music, not only with singing. Um, yes, and then my mother would always say, "Oh, you sing so, you sing so more." And then I say, "Oh, listen, mom. Everyone thinks their, their kids are perfect, or <laughs> I even believe my kids are perfect, and they do everything good." But I believe um, that I have a talent not only with the singing, but in music. And um, I think there was a purpose for me. I believe everyone has a purpose. And many times I will sit and I will think, yes, what if I... And, and that was part of pray. Um, there's a lot of things that worked up to me um, releasing and writing pray. Because we have to go through things in life. And sometimes we don't realize what our purpose is because we've got this vision for ourselves and say listen but I want to do this and I'm going to do this and then you do everything in your power because everything in your mind is going to work out how can it not work out and then God just shows you listen it's not your time it's not the time and I think if if I had studied music I would have never had the privilege to be able to have a sanctuary for lions Hmm. I would never have been able to build something here and do something good for God's creatures, especially in a time like this where there's poaching and, you know, that's a story of its own. So I'm glad that 20 years has passed because I've grown as a person and I think my purpose now will be fulfilled. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to put it in words, but with pray. It was lockdown, and I was very closely involved with teenagers. We had about 16 teenagers that came to live here for nine months during lockdown. What? It was all friends, not even friends really of my children, but people in town that found us and said, listen, is there any possibility that um, the kids can just come for a day? And they stayed for nine months. And even after the first lockdown was lifted, they stayed the December. They just always came back. But I think at that time, I worked very closely with them. Um, I love young people and I love preaching to them. I was very naughty when I was at school. And when I went to university, yeah, I don't know how I tested the boundaries. Huh? <laughs> I tested, I tested the, my, the love my parents had for me at that stage. <laughs> so I, I was uh, really, I was naughty. And so I love to talk with young people and tell them, listen, 
Um, this is not the way to go. I've been there. I've done that. Ugh, those days, we did, there were no drugs and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about drinking and smoking and, you know, the normal stuff. So um, I, I had a lot of involvement with the kids that were here and then also uh, other young people. So, and I saw what lockdown did to them, uh, the uncertainty of, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. My sport, most of the kids, I mean, it's Cry College, it's Unisia, it's Verania. It's really um, schools where sport takes a high rank, academic as well, but it's more um, sport. So the kids were crushed because they couldn't practice, they couldn't train anymore. And we had training programs here on the farm. I created training programs for the kids, hockey and athletics, and because we do everything. And um, it just, it saddened me to see that the whole world, oh, just the whole world, um, everything was hopeless. It seemed hopeless. The roads, uh, the condition of the roads. So oh, there's a lot of stuff that saddened me. But it was mostly the hopelessness of people. And I just felt, uh, and even with me, I went through a tough time. I was diagnosed with a um, lump in my throat. And it was my father died of brain cancer. My grandmother died of liver cancer. My mother had breast cancer. So for me, that was the worst news because immediately the humans that we are, we think, okay, I've got it's cancer. I'm going to die. You mm. know, this is your turn. It's in the genes. There's nothing you can do about it. So I had to walk in faith, really. And then it was, uh, I started writing music to get out all the emotions that I had inside. And now I had time because I wasn't driving taxi. I wasn't competing. I didn't have to train. All these kids were here. They were cutting the grass for me. <laughs> they, were, they were trimming the trees. And cheap labor. I, I, um, cheap labor. And I also um, let them study. They had eight hours of school. It was from grade five to grade 11. So there were certain hours where I let them sit down and I helped them and I gave them biology and I gave them accounting. So And then at night I had time and I had to get all these emotions of worry because I was constantly worrying uh, about myself, about the sanctuary, about food for the animals, about the kids. How can I help the kids? And and then it was just scripture that was given to me. I, I really, I dreamt one night that I was singing this song in front of thousands of people. That's my dream, to be able to touch lives, thousands of lives. I just want to sing for people. So I was dreaming um, this song, and I sang this song word for word. And I woke up, and I wrote down the words and also the melody, the, the, the chords. I wrote on myself and on top, and I went back to sleep. And I usually have this routine after putting out the lions and feeding and the kids are out of the house. I would make coffee and I would go sit in front of the piano, come to the restaurant, sit in front of the piano and play. Because I dream a lot, um, lyrics and uh, yeah. So I played the song and I just played it like that. I didn't change a thing and I left it. And I think it was, it was really scripture. God gave me calmness through that to tell me, listen, everything is going to be okay. And it was a message of hope that I wanted to send out into the world because I think millions of people felt hopeless like me. And there's millions of people out there who's got it worse, you know, worse mm. uh, circumstances. We are very privileged living where we live. And most kids here that I know and most people uh, that we know, we're privileged. We Really, we live well. So for me... The sadness of everything, of people being hurt and our president 
um, having to make decisions and just the whole world's condition at that stage. It was just for me, I needed to get a message of hope out there because that song changed my life. When I opened my eyes and I wrote that down, I really, there, was, there were tears in my eyes because I knew the answer. I knew, listen, just have faith. You don't need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't always know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why we have a God. And God plans ahead. God walks ahead. And even in the darkness, through the valleys of darkness, you just need to have faith. But some situations we just can't have control over. We need to give it over in God's hands and say, I've done everything, but now I give it to you and I walk in faith. I trust that you will let me make the right decision for me and for my kids and for the people around me. So, yeah, it's a message of hope.